Thank you so much. I can't preach now, so let's pray and I'll leave. <laughs> Why'd you guys do that to me? Because that's just what you do. It's so good to be home with you, especially we've been wanting to hug. I've been hugging. My microphone's been messed up four times because of bear hugs I've been getting and giving because we've missed you so much. And I know you have missed each other so much. Isn't it good to be back together and hug each other, brothers and sisters in Christ? Man, unbelievable. Now, here's the amazing thing is, none of us know how long we have on this earth to live. None of us know. But did you know you can actually take a test that predicts how long you're going to live on this earth? Did you know that? I, I did the test online. It's a life expectancy test. I did it about 10 days ago, preparing for the message. And it asked about my family history. It asked about my height, my weight. I did not lie. It was tempting. Maybe I did the first time, but I, I corrected it. Blood pressure. Do I wear a seatbelt? Do I see a doctor regularly? Just a variety of things. And then it punches out. And you know what I learned? It's true. I'm dying. <laughs> That's what I found out. In fact, they even predict for you when you're going to die. They predicted 2045 that I would die at 91 years of age. Now, who knows how long we're going to be here? None of us know. But we do know about the fellow struggling, don't we? Dads. Especially dads. I think dads feel overwhelmed. I've been a dad for 40 years, and I still am trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Changes your world. Kind of like this dad who, for the first time, was a new dad, of course. And his, finally, his wife decided she could go shopping and leave him home alone with the baby, but she forgot to take her cell phone with her. And don't you know the baby went into one of those fists and just started crying and would not stop crying, just wailing. And oh man, he, he started you know, walking back and forth with the baby and holding the baby and he got the bottle and he tried to sing to the baby and he just didn't know what to do. The baby would not stop crying. So he went into a panic. He, he loaded the baby up and went to immediate care. And he walked in, he said, my baby won't stop crying. Doctor said, well, just calm down. That's okay. You're at the right place. He checked the, the ears, the heart, the lungs. You know, he checked right, going right down, and he found his way to the diaper. And don't get ahead of me now. So he opened the diaper, and the doctor goes, phew, I think we know what the problem is. He looks at the dad like, really? And the dad looks at him perplexed. He said, but the diaper package said it's good up to 10 pounds. I hate jokes that tell the truth. <laughs> Guys, that's us, isn't it? We just can't figure it out. We, we struggle along the way. We inch along the way. And it really is a struggle in life, I think, for an awful lot of us. And so the deal is, uh, none of us know how long we're going to be on this earth. All we know is we have this moment right here, right now. The 90th Psalm says this in verse 12. Teach us to number our days that's every single day, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I need that every day. 
And in this series called Creatures of Habit, you have looked at overcoming the habit of anger and complaining. And today and next week, John and I are going to kind of turn this in a positive direction and talk about some things we need to develop as good habits. I'm going to talk about being relentless. Uh, relentless, it's basically when you're determined to do something and you will not give up. All right? In this case, determined to be the person, the dad, whoever it is I am, God has called me to be, and you will not quit. Nothing can stop you from doing it. And I like to kind of keep things simple, so let's ask a couple of questions today. Here's the first one. So what does it really mean to, to be relentless? Well, three words I would give you from the scripture. The first word is obedience. Here's the way Jesus put it. You just saw the scripture in the video you saw. He said this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Scripture continues, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The solid foundation, that, that's what we're all trusting in, is something that lasts, right? And Jesus is saying, it's not about listening to my teaching, it's about doing it. Okay, here's spoiler alert. I will give you nothing new today. I'm not going to say anything you've never heard of before. If you've never been in church before, you have heard everything I'm going to say today. My goal is to close the gap between what we know and what we do. Because it's not enough to listen. We have to obey for things to work right, to develop that life that is relentless and just will not quit no matter the obstacles we face in life, okay? And so the deal is the Lord wants us to build on a solid foundation. Here's a picture of El Capitan and Yosemite Park. Now, that is a picture of obedience. It's solid. It's lasting. You can rely on that foundation. We can build our lives and homes on that foundation. But here's another picture. You can build your life on a mudslide. This place was beautiful. The view was just gorgeous in Buena Vista, Colorado, until the mudslide came. So it was a beautiful view, but it didn't last. Many things look wonderful, but they don't last. And Jesus is saying, make sure you have the right foundation. Parents, dads, you are the representatives of God to your kids. That's true for everyone. Anyone who's looking to you and following you, you are the representative of God to them. And so it's building our lives on the foundation and then become relentless and make amazing progress. In fact, well, I'm going to talk to you today about making progress in such a way that your life is still impacting people after you are gone. That's the message in a sentence. To live life in such a way that just not just impacts the world now, but it's a long-term deal. The second word is fruitfulness. Now, if you have your Bibles and want to look to a passage, turn to John chapter 15. We'll come in and out of a lot of scriptures, but this is the primary scripture we're going to look at today because, don't miss this now, John asked me to talk about leadership today. Uh, this is the last message Jesus gave to his disciples. I want you to think about that. This is the last thing he said to his disciples before he left. Do you think that's probably pretty important? <laughs> so John 15 is a, is a good passage to read like regularly. What did Jesus say just before he entrusted the future of the church 
to those 11 guys who remain faithful. What do you say to them? Well, let's look at a portion of it, beginning in verse 4. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if you and I are connected to Christ, you try to walk his way, the result is going to be fruit. And fruit, of course, is the biblical metaphor of everything you and I really want, isn't it? Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, verse 20, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Now, we know we're not supposed to judge people, but we are to be fruit inspectors. You can't help but notice the fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. What's that fruit look like? What are these characteristics that we all would like to have? Well, Galatians 5 puts it this way, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, God's Spirit in your life, he gives you these characteristics, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And so we see the power of what God wants us to have. Now the question is, you look at those, you say, I want to develop those characteristics. Now here's the secret to cultivating these characteristics. You can't force the fruit. You can't say, yeah, joy, okay. You come home today, you go, okay, I'm going to be joyful today because it's Father's Day. If it kills me, it doesn't work that way. Now, this comes as a result of a connection with Christ. And then these things begin to flow out of our lives. It's a result of obeying what we've heard with God's help, okay? Now, in this passage in John 10, just as an aside, the word remain or abide is used 10 times in seven verses. That seems to be a pretty important thing Jesus talked about, remaining or abiding. Where do you abide? Where do you remain? It's at home. It's the chair you're heading for to watch the U.S. Open this afternoon. When my wife and I get home today, I can tell you the drill. I'll spare you some of the details. But we're going to get comfortable real quick. And we're going to sit down real quick. And I don't have to press in anybody. I can have bad breath if I want to. I can wear whatever I want to wear. I'm comfortable in my chair at home. The Lord says, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable. Let me be comfortable in you. Let's be together. Just be yourself. And I'm going with you. And you stay with me. It's that powerful comfort. In other words, the goal for our lives every day, Lord, help me to commit and stay committed and connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. That's my goal today. End of story. To be connected to Christ. See, when we are connected to Christ, we're relentless in that way. It makes all the difference. Now, what does that look like? Well, I would suggest, for instance, you can do this every morning. You could do this as soon as you get or wake up before you even get out of bed, if you can do this without your coffee, sit there long enough just to say a simple prayer. Don't say a word. It's a prayer of listening. You close your eyes. Here's what you're going to hear. God's saying to you, hey, let's do life together today. How about I go with you today? Is that all right? Because I know what's out there. I know what you're going to face today. Let's make a deal. You try to 
every thought, try to run by me. Try to keep your ear to me, and I'll keep my eye on you. That's the journey. It's the relentless journey that you commit to do every single day. The apostle Paul was getting ready to die. He knew that. It was going to be a brutal death. He probably knew that was coming too. But he says with great confidence in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, his, really his life verse, Philippians 1, 21. Here it comes. There it is. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying that's even better. He loved his ministry. He loved doing what he did. I love this right now. Last weekend, I had a funeral in the morning and a big wedding in the afternoon, and I preached Sunday morning. And I said to my brother, I'm too old to do this. And we laughed. I said, but in a strange way, I feel more alive. When you're doing what you love to do, you feel alive. But this is nothing to compare what it's going to be like if we're headed toward a life with him. And Paul knew that. He's confident where he's heading. And so here's the question. This endurance thing, endurance, look at one more verse, verse 16 here, verse 16 of John chapter 15. You didn't choose me, I chose you and appointed you so you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that's your third word is endurance. A fruit that will last. And so that leads us to our second question. So how do we become relentless? You buying into this? You want this? How do we become relentless? Number one, make a decision. Make a decision today. When you decide every single day to put God first, you may never have your name in print. People may never know what you've accomplished with your life and your your pursuit of life. But the fruit of your life will be shouted from the mountaintops in heaven. And by the way, people will continue to talk about it even after you're gone when you live life in that way. That's the goal here. Now, we all can make a name for ourselves. You, if I could pick one word for you, how would you want people to remember you after you're gone? Uh, when I say the name Mark Roberts, anybody know who Mark Roberts is? Don't Google it right now. Please don't Google it right now. He's known for the running of the bulls in Spain naked. I told you not to Google it right now. He made a name for himself. He's famous. Um, you, can, you can try to be famous. You can try to make a name for yourself. It really isn't hard to do, but so much better to do something different. Now, just to prove the point, let me give you a few pictures, and you come up with one word to describe these people. Ray Kroc. When you think of Ray Kroc, you think of McDonald's, who gave away free fries yesterday. You think of Ray McDonald's. What do you think when you see this person? Harris Hilton, heiress, right, of a family fortune. What do you think of when you see this caricature of a guy who's clearly betraying Jesus? Judas, betrayer. Hitler, what do you think of when you see him? Murderer, dictator. What happens to your heart when you see Mother Teresa serving the poor? What do you want people to say after you are gone? Now, 99% of us are never going to be world famous. Our names probably will never be in print. But I have to tell you, it's one thing to make this critical decision. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing to secondly be diligent in your process. 
to be diligent. What do you mean? Well, let's talk about the parenting thing. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is a verse you've heard before, maybe even heard it misquoted or misunderstood. It says, start children off on the way, circle the word way, or write down the word way if you're jotting down some thoughts here. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Does that mean if you teach your kids about Jesus, they will never walk away from Jesus? It does not mean that. I'm sorry it doesn't mean that, because kids have choices, don't they? In fact, God created the angels, one named Lucifer, and he rebelled against God and became Satan. We have the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament. The father represents God. Some of you came today just to hear this. You could be the perfect parent, as perfect as God, and you could still have one of your kids, or both of them, run away and waste their life in wild living. That's what one of his two sons did. The other one stayed home, but then he was jealous when the other brother repented and came home. You could be the perfect parent, but there are no guarantees. But the odds are better if you try to point your kids in the way they should go. That's the idea. Now, what does it mean to train them according to their way? That means you get to know their passions and their interests. You don't Raise your kids all the same way, you have to respond to who, who they are temperamentally and in regard to their interests. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 describes our uniqueness as spiritual snowflakes, every one of us, even so the body is not made up of one part but of many. Verse 18, it says, but in fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. They're all different, and we are all different, aren't we? Uh, I don't know how many guys here, I'm just curious, dads, how many dads here love football? You need to kind of go, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, I love football, it's just like, it's not, not far away, man. And I love fantasy football. Been on staff when I was here, our family does fantasy football. Can I just tell you though, if you spend more time this fall studying your fantasy football team than you study your kids, you got a problem. You better make sure you're studying your kids so you can raise your kid and point them the way they should go, which means make it a priority, a top priority. So here's a question for you today. How has your life changed since March of 2020? Has your life changed? Are you just getting back to normal the way it was? Or are you learning what you need to learn? That's what with great wisdom. John put this series together to reset after the pandemic. You don't want it to be the same old thing. What are some things you need to add to your life? What are some things you need to eliminate from your life? Okay, Make the most of the opportunity in front of you. So make sure what's changed. How's your love changed? Are you loving the same? Are you loving differently? How are you loving people in your life? How are you loving God? Is that better than it was? Don't just settle back in. You make sure you've learned what you need to learn. And number two, turn someday into today. Um, Saturday has been kind of our favorite day of the week for, for years, but that now has changed. The favorite day now is someday. Talk to anybody about something important, and they'll say, well, someday, uh, as soon as the job and school, and we kind of get back into the groove, someday. Uh, someday, once it settles down, we get through this, then I'll get into a small group. Uh, someday, once I can kind of find my way clear here, I'll get involved in a ministry at Connection Point. Someday, 
Have you ever known somebody who died without any warning? All you have is today. My wife and I had our hearts broken in January. My wife's best friend from three years old, her husband, Matt, whom I had come to love so much, my age, in great shape, in January, came in from outside. His jaw was hurting him. They tried to help him. They realized they were in trouble. They were rushing into the car to the hospital. He fell face down, and he was with Jesus like that. We're going to her house this weekend with some friends. Can't wait to see her again. But the wonderful thing is, he did some things ahead of time with his family as a priority. He was serving the Lord as a leader in the church where he, his grandfather was, and he continued to carry the torch as a main leader in that church for years. He was ready. David said, there's only a step between me and death. If we've learned anything this past year is how fragile life is, so you make the most of today. I mean, it's your funeral. You really don't want people to talk about your money, do you? After your, your funeral, you don't want people to talk about your, your golf game, do you? At your funeral, do you want them to go on and on about your car collection? No. So here's your homework assignment with a pen and a pencil. Would you jot down the homework assignment? Jot down the homework assignment. <laughs> Write it out. You can do this today. One page. Keep it to one page. Maybe one paragraph. What would your relentless life look like that it would impact life now and it will outlive you? Now you have something. That's what I'm determined to do and to be even after I'm gone. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 gives us a little help with this. Let's follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So the deal is, now I just shook some of you up. You're going, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Kids are going to follow me? Yes. It's not a matter of will they, but what will they be following? What do you have to check, check on to make sure you're growing? Uh, let me just do a timeout with you, by the way. Two weeks ago, you talked about anger, talked about complaining last week. So how's it going? You say, what about, what if I mess up on my anger? What if I start to complain again? Well, correct that. It's not if, it's when. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to trip. I'm going to fall. The key is not that you mess up, but what do you do when you mess up? You do what my buddy Joey Votto did last night. Joey Votto plays first base for my beloved Cincinnati Reds. Last night, he got thrown out of the game in San Diego, California. First inning, he got thrown out. You know why? He got angry and he complained. He's a very disciplined guy. But he's also very mature. You know what happened? There was a little girl. Her name was Kristen, same name as my wife. And uh, her parents put on Twitter. They showed her this little girl crying with a big Joey Votto shirt on in California and said, this is what it looks like when you, your first Major League Baseball game to see your favorite player and he gets kicked out in the first inning. The Reds got that. Joey Votto signed a baseball and said, I'm sorry that I didn't stay in the game. They sent her some, 
She took the baseball. They said she didn't stop crying until she got the popcorn. <laughs> so guys, when you practice with me, are you ready? You're going to say, I'm sorry. On three. This won't hurt. You can do this. This is practice. You ready? I'm sorry. How about that? You can do that. And you do it right now. Some of the best talks you ever have with your kids is when you say, I'm sorry. I messed up. They're not going to go, oh, brother. They're going to be drawn to you in that honesty and transparency. John Maxwell, leadership consultant, said, be careful when you teach your kids because you teach your kids what you know, but they, you'll reproduce who you are. And so we better kind of examine who we are. Maybe for you, it's not anger or complaining. Maybe it's some kind of addiction for you, alcohol or some other issue in your life. Then get some counseling. Fix it. You got to grow. Go to AA. Um, I have been reading and hearing that pornography is just the numbers have taken off during the pandemic. And uh, so I did a little research a couple of weeks ago to see what the numbers are saying. They say 40 million Americans look at pornography once a week, at least once a week. The surprise for me was that 70% were men, 30% now were women. So what do you do? You get a software called Covenant Eyes if you have a problem with this. Covenant Eyes, $15.99 a month. You have a friend that you pick, a safe friend, and then they have a right to see everything on your devices, and something comes up on the device, it says, your friend needs, needs you to call them. Boom, you're dealing with it right there. Some of you are thinking right now, that seems a little extreme to me. No, I think that seems relentless. You're determined, whatever it is, with your brokenness. God, help me to grow so I can lead them where they want to go and they need to go. Joshua 1 verse 7 puts it this way. You be strong and very courageous. That's what that'll take. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn, uh, don't, don't turn from it to the right or to the left. You may be successful wherever you go. And that leads to the third thing we can do here. How to become relentless? You've got to pass the baton. This is not just keeping a connection to yourself with Christ. It's helping another person connect to your heavenly father. Talk about something meaningful. Can you imagine helping another person connect to your heavenly father forever? Whether it's a child, a classmate, a friend, a teacher, a coach, a son or dad, a daughter. Man, what a, what a powerful thing to make a difference in that way. Now, I have the privilege at this season of life to be a papa. Three times in our fourth child is in India. We're waiting for God's timing on that. But uh, it's so much fun to be a papa. And uh, I love the fact that we look back on our kids and our youngest turned 37 this weekend. He was one when we moved here. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> okay. But we tried to encourage them in their passions. We tried to encourage them uh, in their interests. We took time, it took money, it took commitment, music and sports and all that stuff. We're glad we did that. But what, even more so, you have to focus on helping them to grow, right? Understand what matters the most. 
And so now I'm just so grateful when we're with our kids to, to, to watch them and to see that they're all very, very active in their churches. They're all serving the Lord. And they're, above all, they're raising our grandchildren to love Jesus. It doesn't matter anymore who the, whether they were the star of the team or had the solo or how they did or got the award. It doesn't matter now. Do they love Jesus? 3 John 1 verse 4 simply says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now, some of you who know me well are saying right now, how in the world, Steve, I know you, how in the world did your three kids turn out so good? Let me tell you, my mom was really wise. She made sure I had godly male role models in my life as she raised me from nine years of age without a dad. I also married really, really well. I married Kristen 45 years ago. I've been in love with her for a long time. But she's also my best friend. She's the wisest person I know. God gave me her as a partner. God gave me her dad, who will be 97 in September. We're going to go see him this week. He's still sharp. I've been able to watch him for all these years. Uh, now, okay, I'm just going to say it. Mostly I'm a knucklehead. I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm a goofball kind of thing. I don't know. But I didn't know what God wanted us to do. And when I acknowledged God, I need some help with this, and I relied on his power, things just seemed to go a lot better. That's probably true for you as well. It's so significant that we do this. And so I'm just, I'm just so grateful. When we announced we were leaving this church, retiring, a little over four years ago, one of the things I said to this church family, thank you again, church family, for loving us the way you did in our ministry here for 31 years. I mentioned all of our kids love the church. They love the Lord. You know why? Because they grew up in a healthy church family. A lot of pastors' kids cannot say that. A lot of pastors' kids are not in church today. But my kids are, and you had a lot to do with it. They saw a healthy church. They were able to go on mission trips and, and youth conferences and, and have great role models in their life. And we're so grateful for that. And again, above all, that they're now teaching our grandkids about the Lord. But the thing is, some of you, some of you today, while I've been talking, you heard me before, but you need to hear me again. Stop beating yourself up because some of you have somebody in your life who's away from God right now. And it's just eating your heart out. And the Lord is saying to you today, listen, don't beat yourself up. But God reclaims stolen property. Maybe somebody else is trying to steal them right now. But you keep praying. You keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep caring. Because the best thing you can do as a parent is stay connected to Christ. The best thing you can do where you work is stay connected to Christ. The best way you can impact your neighbors, you stay connected to Christ. And so there are four things that you and I can do to become relentless. Four things, okay? And your love for God and other people. So before I do this, somebody asked me last night if I was going to do this. So for those of you who did, do not know me, I'm going to say, get it. You're going to say, got it. And I'll say, good. You ready? There are four things we can do to love God and love people in a relentless way. Get it? Got it. 
All right, here we go. Four things. Number one, acknowledge God every single day. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39 says, Acknowledge and take to heart this day, this day, that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. You know what we're hearing a lot today? I'm finding my voice. I'm speaking my truth. I'm following what's trending. How many of you are following what's trending like 24-7 and you wonder why your focus isn't right? This could be the moment when you begin to intentionally say, no, I'm going to follow what he says. I want, I want to follow what he's trending. What's he saying to me in these very, very confusing days? And this could be the day when you start to do that. Number two, practice God's presence. Back to John chapter 15. Oh, I just love the way he says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you'll keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy, say joy, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Practicing God's presence leads to joy. I don't know what it's like at your house. Hope there's laughter in the walls. I really do. Uh, you know, do you know that when Jesus came, he came to enter into life, to engage? The Bible says Jesus came enjoying life. Don't miss this. Jesus got invited to the party. I mentioned I had a wedding last Saturday. In, the, in first century Israel, you know how long a wedding party lasted, the reception? Seven days. Seven days. I'm really glad they don't last that long now. Seven days. And Jesus came and he stayed for the whole shooting match. In fact, he served the drinks to them, didn't he? You know what's a shock? Do this survey in the Gospels. Do you know Jesus spent more time at feasts and celebrations than he did in religious buildings? And he said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, listen, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Who has lied to us to say, you become a follower of Christ, your happiness is over. It's going to be bad. No more fun. That's a lie. It smells like smoke. Uh, he makes things even better. And that is why I have to tell you, listen, yes, take God very, very seriously. But don't take yourself so seriously. As some of you said years ago, lighten up, Francis. Lighten up. Learn to laugh, and particularly to laugh at yourself. It's really okay. The best memories in our family are the funny things that have happened. We laugh a lot, and again, we laugh a lot at Dad. My wife gave me the most wonderful, touching, tear-jerking Father's Day card yesterday. But my favorite part was her writing. She said, you can tell me as many Dad jokes as you want this weekend. Wow, she's really asking for it, isn't she? Oh, man, don't ever lose laughter. Don't miss it, man. You know, that's the best advertisement for Christianity, a joyful person. The worst advertisement for Christianity is to walk around miserable, and this world can make you flat out miserable. But you're turning people off to Christ because you're so miserable. 
You ask God to help you with this and give you a joy that exudes only from him. So make sure you're spending time, having a good time, enjoying life with your kids. Somebody said, if you take your kids, and, if you take your kids fishing now, you won't have to go hunting for them later. Relax and have some fun. Number three, depend on his forgiveness. If you know any verse in the Bible, you know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Don't miss that. People have a picture of God coming going, I'm going to say, I'm coming to fix you. No, he came because I'm coming to love you. That's what drew him to do this. And so you entrust yourself to that. And then number four, you rely on his power. Rely on his power. My favorite hymn is based in Lamentations chapter three, verses 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know, did you hear what Carrie Underwood did during the pandemic? She came out with a new CD that she developed, and it was a CD full of hymns. And the first one I heard that she recorded was Great Is Thy Faithfulness. It's new every morning. And that's the power God brings to us. You know, can I make a confession to you? I said, can I make a confession to you? Okay. Guys, some of you are like me and you're so driven to tackle the next hill. And you're relentless. But I found when I was so busy almost relying on my instincts, I, I, I have this feeling, I think most pastors hit the wall about every seven years. But when I'm busy doing it, maybe more than relying on God, I don't become relentless, I become restless. That's why you please pray for Pastor John every single day. You pray for him that, again, he'll turn it to, over to God and rely on God's power because when I rely on God's power, now I become relentless because see, when I'm overwhelmed, finally I... Lord, I can't do this. And God says, okay, finally. Now let's get this done. I have you right where I want you. And that's what God wants for us. Because you see, what I learned was, oh, don't miss this. Passion and peace come from living with God, not living for God. I need to say that again. Passion and peace, it comes from living with God, not what we're doing for Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I mentioned I had a funeral last Saturday. It was a funeral for Dan Adams. Dan and Leslie would have been married 39 years next month when their son Jason went to seventh grade football. He and my son Nate played football together for six years. He went with Jason to get his football equipment, and he noticed, oh, they needed some help organizing all the equipment. Dan said, can I help? For the next 16 years, he organized all the equipment for the entire football program. 
And you know what the phone calls were after Dan went to heaven? Leslie said she kept getting calls from all these football players talking about the impact he'd had on their lives and how his relationship with Christ was something they had to hear about regularly and how Christ had changed his life. These last 16 years, he continued to do that, showing that love. And the deal is, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you, here's what you came to hear. <laughs> Listen, he only has been a Christian for the last 20 of his 72 years. Some of you are going, it's too late for me. Oh, no, no, it's never too late. He wasn't a Christian until he was about 50, 52 years of age. You know what happened? Let me read it to you. Leslie wrote this to me. Once Connection Point opened its doors a mile from our house in 2001, we relocated here. We had no more excuses. We settled in, we made connections, and Dan grew in his faith, his life with Christ, his example to others, and giving, giving in his faith. And when she wrote that, I remembered, we looked it up, I baptized Dan into Christ the first Baptism weekend we had in this building, in that baptistry. It was Palm Sunday, March 23rd, 2002. And he began his journey with Christ. And I would say that's a dad, kind of under the radar. He became relentless. And he's still touching lives, even now, after he's gone. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 reads this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you'll be prosperous and successful in God's eyes. Let's pray. Kind Father, thank you that you never give up on us. We are not, any of us, a perfect person anything, father, son, wife, daughter, but you are. And Lord, we have to rely upon you. May we be determined. May we never give up. Whether we have one day left, this may be the last day some people in this room have. It could be. We may have 25 years left or more. But God, I just pray we will drive a stake in the ground for the next 21 days. It becomes a habit after 22 days. If we could just for the next 21 days do these things, we will become, we will have cultivated a habit that will impact our lives now and impact others even after we're gone. May we be faithful even as you've been faithful to us. And we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said,